Hello and welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner with Karen Sharp Price. This podcast will inform and inspire you in your quest to find the right career path. If you're just starting out, looking to make a change in your field or transitioning into a new career, then this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing tips and providing resources on topics such as writing resumes, interviewing, using LinkedIn, and networking. We will take a look at different careers, companies, and opportunities. You will hear success stories from professionals in all career paths, and so much more. You will leave this podcast with three key takeaways that you can easily put into practice. Enjoy! Welcome to Sharp HR Career Corner Podcast. Today, our guest is Rosanna Berardi, Managing Partner of Berardi Immigration Law. And I have to mention, before we get started, that I've actually been a fan of yours for a few years now. Um, I believe our paths crossed at a NABO event just just a few years ago, and I think we actually sat next to each other, if, if yeah. my memory serves me. Okay. Then um, I started to follow you after that on LinkedIn and Facebook, and then from there, you started popping up on local TV news as the immigration expert. And I really, like truthfully, I really have to admire you on the way you've been seen on TV, Facebook, LinkedIn, in a really genuine and consistent way. And your posts are really down to earth. And you sprinkle immigration with your own family, and it comes off really relatable. Like when I read your stuff, I'm like, like I can put myself right in those situations. It's just really common things that you talk about. So I just had to say that before we begin. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your kind words. I really, um, really enjoy writing for LinkedIn. I feel like it's my, it's my place, if you will. Um, Uh And I just, you know, have random thoughts. And I'm like, that would be a great LinkedIn post. So I enjoy it. <laughs> well, it works. It, it comes off very well. So um, so let's start. Can you give us like a, sor- a short summary of why you decided to pursue law and specifically immigration? Well, many, uh, many lawyers come out of the womb knowing they want to be a lawyer. I like to say I was an accidental lawyer. Um, I had no clue or desire to be a lawyer um, until about my junior year at Canisius College here in Buffalo. I initially was going to be a teacher. I was an English major, and I was going to teach high school because I love to read and write, and I'm terrible at math and science. So kind of like process elimination. Uh-huh. Um, and that was the plan until I had to do a teaching observation at Bennett High School. And I went into that classroom, and I was like, there's no way. There's no way I could ever do this. <laughs> You know, when you just have that moment, you're like, nope, not for me. So I spent about 10 minutes thinking, oh, my parents are going to kill me. I'm getting an English degree. What can I do with that? And I was like, oh, I'll just go to law school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I knew enough to know that law school and being a lawyer is a super flexible background and career. So there are lots of people with law degrees that don't practice law. You know, you can be... You can be a writer, you can be a legal analyst, you can you can be a judge, you can be a prosecuting attorney. So I like the fact that there was like many layers of things that I could do with this degree. So I went home and I said to my parents, I'm going to go to law school. And they're like, what? We don't have any lawyers in our family. I never talked about it. And that is how I became a lawyer. 
Wow. That, that's amazing. And I like those kinds of stories where, you know, the path is not laid out for you and you didn't know. And there's lots of students right now in school in that fearful moment of, I don't know what oh, yeah. I want to do. So um, it's nice to hear that other people have that and they've become very successful afterwards. So during law school, you were working for the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Services. Um, then after graduation, you became an immigration trial attorney in New York mm -hmm. City, which, wow. Um, Fun. And, yeah, and then you decided to come back to Buffalo as an immigration attorney at UB. Um, it looks like you really jumped in and became the expert while at UB in immigration. Is that a, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it was interesting because the first five years of my immigration career, if you will, was spent with the government, the federal government, the former Immigration Naturalization Service. And that came to be simply by way of a summer job opportunity when I was a junior at Canisius College. They were looking for what they called co-op students. I had no idea what that meant. I mean, yeah, I've crossed the border like everyone does in Western New York, but it paid well because it was a federal job. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to do that. Never in my life could I know when I started that little co-op job on June 1st of 1993 that that would be the first day of an entire career. I have done nothing but immigration law since that day. Wow. That's interesting. Since that day. And so so five years with the government, super interesting, fun. Um, and then when I came back to Buffalo, I, I learned immigration law from the other side of the coin. So on the government side, it's prosecution, right? Like, I mean, I was an inspector, so you're inspecting people um, at the borders, on trains and planes and automobiles. Um, and then when I was a lawyer, I was prosecuting people who were illegal in the U.S. When I came back to Buffalo and started working at UB, I became a facilitator of people wanting to come to the United States and get their work permits and green cards. So I really started to understand that side of it. And that is the path that I have followed, you know, since that time. Was it hard to switch from one side to the other? It was, I'll tell you, being the prosecutor, um, being the government with all the power, way easier <laughs> <laughs> than being on the other side of that. Because at the end of the day, the government's like, it's yes, because we said so. You know, they've got all the power. They've got the discretion. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realize that. I mean, I was young. I was a kid. I was like, oh, this is fun. And then when I got to the other side of it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so hard. This is so hard for people to come to the United States. Yeah. I can't believe how stringent the government is. It was a total eye opener for me. I was like, whoa, this is this is tough. But at that point, um, it's kind of when I fell in love with all of it because I really started facilitating people achieving their American dreams. And no matter you know, what goes on in the world, people are still happy to come to the United States. And yeah. to be a part of that is so joyful. It's a happy area of law and a happy practice. You know, our clients aren't going to jail. Um, we don't do the deportation stuff. We're really just helping people get their work permits and green cards and citizenship. Oh. And they are thrilled. They are absolutely thrilled at the end of the day. Wow. So was like in law school, was immigration a, a big area of study for students? Was it back then? I mean, was there? No, nope, not at all. Um, one class. <laughs> really? One class on immigration law. I always kind of scratch my head thinking, we're a law school that sits at one of the busiest U.S.-Canadian borders, like, why don't we have this whole concentration? Yeah. But 
um, they don't. So they have one class and yeah, it was interesting, but you know, really my on the job experience with the government piqued my interest. And again, it wasn't ever really intentional. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have been called to do this because I never really planned any of this. It just sort of happened and snowballed over the years. And the immigration law has been really good to me, um, you know, personally and professionally. Yeah. And if you hadn't had that experience, who knows what what area you would have gone into? Right. And I, you know, I when I go back sometimes for Canisius College, they have me do like the open house, you know, guest speaker. I always tell college kids, I tell my son who's in high school, you don't know where these jobs are going to lead you. You don't. And that's why it's important to do a lot of things. Yeah. Because um, everyone goes to school, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really a big deal to go to school anymore. But to have these opportunities, you don't know if it's going to open a door. And it might not. But, yeah. you know, for me, it did. And it's made all the difference in the world. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to take that risk and, and try it because you don't know right. what's going to what's going to happen. So um, early on, did you once you became a, an attorney, did you ever have the idea of owning your own law firm? No. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like there's, there's a story kind of a behind pattern that. in my life where I'm like, no, I never, never decided to do that. So. Um, So I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My father immigrated from Italy to Canada in 1954. Um, He was an orphan. He was 14. His parents had both died. Um, He didn't know the language. He came to Canada because one of his sisters had moved there. And, um, you know, my father is an immigrant and true to form, you know, just grinded it out his whole life, working super hard. Um. And was always an entrepreneur. He was a hairdresser for 50 years. He's still alive, thankfully. Um, But he he always had his own business. He had a hair salon. He and my mom were hairdressers. Um, And so I grew up with that grinded out, you know, work for yourself um, mentality. Um, And my brother is also an entrepreneur. He's a dentist. He always has had his own practice. He's never worked for anybody either. So that's what I grew up in. But, Mm. you know, when I came back to Buffalo, I worked at UB and then I joined the largest law firm here in Buffalo. And, you know, my parents were supportive. They're like, that's great. But when I started to be unhappy, my dad was like, what are you doing? Open your own firm. You know, And, and he's like, I came to this country with nothing, no language, no family. And I did it. You have a law degree, you have all kinds of experience, you know, all kinds of people like this is a no brainer. Like, what are you doing? And so very naively, um, in 2005, I'm like, I'm going to start my own firm. And um, I kind of went into it like, I'm going to do it my way. Um, I took all the good things from the big firm and implemented them and left all the bad things behind. And I sort of just said, you know, I was just married. I didn't have kids at the time. If it doesn't work out in a year or two, I'll just go work at another firm. Like I knew I would always have a plan B. So um, this was just kind of my experiment. Um, Me alone, one client came with me from the big firm. Um, I started in, you know, I say a dusty apartment in Williamsville (laughs) with a desk and a computer and just did everything. And 
I could never imagine. Like I think about, I always think about my first day, like when I was sitting at my computer alone and where I am today. And I could never imagine it, my firm being as big as it is today. Yeah, so seven. It's been seventeen years, right? Yeah, seventeen, 17 years, years later. later. Wow, and it, and it's going strong. Do you think? I mean, I guess so. Stronger now than ever before. Never. Absolutely. Um, wow. We we have never had a year where we've gone backwards. We've had continual growth, even through the two thousand eight recession, and even through the pandemic. Wow. Um, when COVID hit, I said to my partner here at the firm, "Well." It's been a nice run. Mm. You know, they closed the border. They closed all the embassies. Um, I laid everybody off at the firm except the attorneys because worst case scenario, the attorneys can be the paralegal and the admin, you know, do all their own things. So I laid off my team immediately. Um, and I thought we were done. And 2020 turned out to be one of our best years ever. So we hired everybody back. And so now I learned we're recession proof and we're pandemic proof. Isn't that something? I, I have to go back, though, with your father. 14 years old. So, like, I have a 16-year-old. So, 14 yeah. years imagine? old. Not in going to a country you don't know their language. Wow. Yeah. You know, there's something about people that age. There's just, they have better grit. Uh, uh, there's just oh. something about them. The things that they have gone through and survived and and survived stronger. And, and not... Um, bitter um yeah. you know just so thankful for every opportunity like just just a totally different mindset it just amazes me yeah and i too have a 16 year old and sometimes he complains about something and i'm like are you kidding me your grandfather who's <laughs> <laughs> a big part of your life are you kidding do you know what he was doing right now at 16 like you can barely tie your shoes okay yeah it's funny because you know when we were growing up our parents would say we had a you know go walk through the snow yeah. to go five miles to get to school um but but these stories are even even massive compared to that it just yeah for it sure blows my mind and when i hear them i mean i could never understand that struggle i was born and raised in the u.s um we didn't have a lot but we always had enough and educated I could never relate to that level of struggle. Thank God, right? Oh, yeah. But even, and sometimes my father, you know, he'll be like, you spent all this money on that. You could have made a salad yourself, you know, and he's right. Yeah. But I never, I never went without where he did, yeah. right? And so it's just a totally different mentality. And, you know, when I hear this trend of quiet quitting at jobs, yeah. like no Immigrant is quiet quitting. I can guarantee you that they are grinding it out. Yeah. yeah right. Absolutely. And I'm like, I'm so like, it's shameful that we're talking about quiet quitting. Like I just really just be thankful you have a job and work, please. The end. And everything has a label nowadays. <laughs> exactly. There was exactly. always the the lazy employee. But right. Now they, it's nothing new. <laughs> yeah. Now they've given them the, the really good quote. <laughs> yeah. Now they have a title. Great. <laughs> yeah. So so most recently, um, in April 2020, you started Highwire Women podcast, which I really enjoy. And I've I've actually talked to Soda um, about sleep. And oh, I got yeah, her she's on my amazing. podcast. Yeah, I loved her. Um, so where did you get the idea? Where did it come from? And what is your mission with it? So Highwire Women was born um, in March of 2020 when COVID hit. And I thought that my law career was over. 
and I had like a couple weeks to think, you know, I, I had some time. So <laughs> instead of like painting my house, like other people did or made sourdough bread, I'm like, I'm going to start another business. Um, and Highway Woman is just a nod to being a working mom. It's hard. It's so hard. And, you know, for years and people still ask me, like, how do you do it? How do you do it? How are you all over social media? And how do you have your son? And how do you do it? So Highway Woman was my attempt to share with the world how I've done it and to share, you know, speakers and guests that talk about certain parts of your life that are difficult. Um, so, yeah, it's been really fun. Um, I have learned it's hard to have two businesses. <laughs> <laughs> So I've, I've taken my foot off the gas of Highway Women a little bit because fortunately for us, we've experienced um, explosive growth this year at the firm and the firm still needs me. So I'm trying to practice what I preach and I've backed off a little bit on Highway Women, but it will always be a part of me. And, you know, when things quiet down, if they ever do, um, you know, I will, I would love, love, love to give that my full attention. And I think what you really, you know, what comes out of that is it takes a village. Like we, we can't oh, do yes. this on our own. And, oh. and, you know, just yesterday. So during COVID, I was the one who was thrown out into the stores to do the grocery shopping and stuff like ah. that. Because it was, you know, one person I would be it if I got yes. sick, I would be the one. I don't know why I was the one. But anyways, <laughs> uh, so, but after that, um, a friend of mine showed me the app for Wegmans, which oh, is yeah. the scan app. Oh, my God. Like, I love it. And and I, I probably save about 20 minutes a day. Well, a day, it almost feels like I go there every day. Um, <laughs> because I don't have to stand in line. I don't have to wait. I don't have to put everything out on the bar. I don't have to, you know, package right. everything. It's all, it's all done in really fast time. Yesterday, I get an email that they're taking it away. I know, <laughs> I, I saw that. I have not felt so bad lately <laughs> as I did with that. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I absolutely I loved it. There's got to be a way that they can protect themselves and us I while know. we do this. Because, my gosh, it was a lifesaver. And it's gone. <laughs> so I know, and it, it's those little conveniences that add up. Yeah. Um, I use Instacart. I'm a... I could probably work for the Instacart company because I just tell everybody like for me, the closest Wegmans to our house is 20 minutes away. Oh. So 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. That's 40 minutes plus an hour in the store. So that's at least two hours. Yeah. I save on the weekend. Yeah. Are the prices a little bit higher? They are. I probably spend eight to 10 bucks more a week. For me, it's not worth it to spend two hours for eight Absolutely. to $10. Yeah. Um, well. It's not perfect. I don't always love what I get, but I don't care enough. I don't care about my tomatoes. Like some people in my life are like, but I like to pick my cantaloupe. I'm like, I don't care. I just don't. <laughs> give me something and I'm good. So I'm yeah. all about time saving. I'm all about delegating. And that's how I get it done. I mean, I really, that's how I get it done. Yeah. And it takes a village. It really does. So you seem to be on social media more over the last few years. Um, but I don't know for sure. Did you make a conscious decision to do things differently and brand yourself differently than years before? Or have you always been doing this, but it just caught on? So a little bit of both. Um, I learned very early on that social media has to be consistent. 
um, that you can't do it once a year. Um, we, I've worked really hard for the past five years, I would say I'm branding the firm, branding the firm as thought leaders, branding the firm as the immigration experts. Um, and, and to, to brand something takes time. There's no company. I don't care what they promise you that can brand you overnight. So, um, I have a list of goals every quarter. I have it taped to my desk right here. And one of my, my, my quarterly goals for third quarter is blow up LinkedIn, increase number of followers and comments post on LinkedIn on Sundays and Wednesdays religiously. <laughs> and and I have that in my calendar and that's what I do. Um, it takes some practice like anything, but it's so important. Yeah. Because it's that consistency. And sometimes I post something and I don't get any responses and who cares? Yeah. But it's that it's that drip, right? It's that yeah. trickle of yeah. And and I talk like you said, I talk about immigration, but I talk a lot about business and yeah. um running a business. And so, you know, we're very consistent and then we have been committed to writing a blog. Um, and and filming videos consistently. And that's a team effort. I have seven attorneys here at the firm. They're all required to film at least one video a week. Wow. Kicking and screaming. They don't love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you guys, there's seven of us. Yeah. You know, we put them on YouTube. We put them on our social media. And it, it's consistency, right? And, and it's really driven traffic to the website. Uh -huh. um, you know, Google owns YouTube. YouTube yeah. gives people to your website. Website gives people to your inbox. Inbox, they call and then they become clients. So um, they don't love it. No one loves videos except me because I'm a freak <laughs> about, I just, I like a camera. Um, they hate it. My partner, Jen, is the most brilliant attorney I know. And always has to have the teleprompter in front of her. She cannot, she just hates it. She gets tunnel vision. She starts to sweat. Um, but it's, you know, it's not complicated. It's just being committed to one yeah. thing. Yeah. And feeling comfortable. I mean, before we started this, <clears throat> I said how, you know, I hated the, the being on camera and everything. And then I just decided this year, you know, I'm just going to do it and put it out there and let it be how it falls. <laughs> and so, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and so it's gotten a lot easier, um, I I think. But you are really you really hit the nail on the head when you said consistency. Um, you really have to be consistent, especially on LinkedIn, and because you don't know when someone is going to need you, and right. they may remember. Oh yeah, I remember. You know who is that person? What was her name? I, I yeah. saw her all the time. And so you have to just be out there, and and you know when when the need is arises, they they'll find you. Um, yeah. And I always say, you know, I don't have a product that people need immediately. I don't sell tacos or hot dogs, right? Like no one needs me today. Yeah. Um, but we call it here, we're planting seeds, right? We're planting seeds, we're watering the seeds with our posts. Yep. And those seeds are going to grow into something when, you know, your cousin marries a girl from Germany, you're going to be like, oh, I know someone that you should call or... Yeah. You know, if you're representing a corporation and they're like, oh, we really like this Canadian, we want to bring him to the U.S., you're going to call me. Yep. So what's been challenging for me, I'm the oldest attorney here at the firm. I'm 50. A lot of my attorneys are like late 20s, early 30s is this notion of there's no instant success. This takes a long time. 
Yeah. Patience, consistency. Take this is not this is not a sprint. Yes. And a lot of businesses get frustrated with that and they hire all these companies that say for ten thousand dollars a month, I'll get you to the top of Google and you'll get all this work. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Yeah. I I um I've seen that happen. <laughs> oh. It's a lot of money and holy smokes. And it really is. It's just the little things. And like you said, that with that note on your on your table. Yeah. Um, I do the same thing. I have an accountability sheet and I have on there that I have to post at least twice a week and I have the dates that I usually do it. And so yeah. as long as you can make yourself accountable to yourself, uh, you can make it happen yourself. <laughs> yeah. And, and believe me, I'm the person I spent a ton of money initially in the beginning of my career on marketing. Yeah. Um, tons, all kinds, people in Toronto, people locally. And I realized that um, I, I, I know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, know what and, to do. And, and I, again, I go back to the beginning when I started talking to you about, you know, what I've seen you do. It is just really relatable. It's, it's not and I'm not saying this in a derogatory manner towards any attorney, but, but it's oh, not, I know it's not attorney saying. language. It's right. it's just, you know, something that everybody, a lot of people will either deal with or go through in life. And you, you know, you just kind of sprinkle in a little bit of immigration and then you kind of become the immigration lady. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's what I think. And yeah. so, yeah, you've, you've done it really well. You really have. So, Thank you. My job is to take something really complicated and make it simple. Well, you, and you did it, you did it really nicely. I think um, it's not too much. It's, you know, you almost look forward. I, I look forward to your weekly, you know, what have you been through lately? <laughs> kind of. Uh, <laughs> because yeah, there's like, always hey, something, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, 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 there is. You don't even have to like try too hard, do you? No. To come up with a. <laughs> nope. You know, yeah. the furnace will break. We'll have a mouse, um, an employee will quit. It, it, there's always something. Yeah, right? there, there really is. So what three pieces of advice would you give women who own their own businesses and they want to create some kind of social media presence, but they just don't know where to begin? What, what would you say to that? So for me, the differentiator has always been to invest in education. Um, you've got to figure out how this works. And I've been fortunate here in the Western New York area. Um, I've leaned into the Canisius College Women's Business Center. Mm -hmm. They have great programs for women business owners, whether you're just starting out thinking about it or whether you're 10 years into it. Um, amazing resources. And that's really where I started to understand hmm, the social media thing. This is how it works. You know, somebody there told me, film videos. Google loves videos. I'm like, okay. I had no idea what I was doing. But somebody told me that. Um, so you got to educate yourself. University of Buffalo always has this amazing, it's called Center for Entrepreneurial Leadership, CEL. Tons of amazing classes on how to run your business. You know, we all come out knowing how to do something, right? I knew how to get somebody a green card. I didn't know how to be a business owner. I didn't learn that in law school. I didn't know anything about HR, taxes, um, leave, New York State. I don't know anything about that. You've got to educate yourself. And there's so many ways to do it. Um, LinkedIn has a great library mm. of classes that you can watch. Um, it's just so easy now, but you've got to spend the time on educating yourself so you know how it works. 
So when somebody tells you, oh, you should do this, you're like, oh yeah, that just makes sense. So I would, that's definitely the starting point. And, and don't cheap out on investments. People say to me, well, I don't want to spend $500 on this class. I'm like, what are you thinking? This could generate thousands of dollars of business. Cheap out on something else. Don't get your nails done. Don't go to Starbucks every day, but spend money on education in terms of how to run your business. That makes sense. That makes sense. And really to educate yourself, um, you'll get a lot of people giving you advice and you really have to know what is the good advice and what isn't too, because that, that can be a problem. It's just like uh, when you're about to have a baby, every woman comes out of the oh God. woodwork and tells you the horror stories. Yeah. Yes. And I can never understand why we did that to other people. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. You, you really do have to know, you know, what will work and what won't. And for sure. And, before you spend the money, you know, too. But but education, I think, is really important. So if people are out there and they're thinking, hey, you know what, I, I have a question. I want to, you know, ask her. I know somebody who might need her help. Um, Rosanna, how can people get in contact with you? What's the best way? So easiest way is to go to the, the law firm's website, BerardiImmigrationLaw.com. And if you click on our About Us page, it has my bio and email address, as well as the rest of the team. I love to mentor and help people. Um, I don't charge most of the time for, you know, some questions about, hey, how does this work? Or, hey, what do I do? So many people help me along the way in starting my business and helping it become what it is today that I'm really passionate. And that's part of the reason I started Highwire Women too. I'm really passionate about helping women business owners because it's different. It's different, especially a working mom who's trying to run a business. It's like you have 35 jobs. Um, and my partner, Jen, and I always talk about what she calls mental gymnastics of, I got to drop off my kid and then I got to get him his black shoes and then he has to go to work and then he needs to eat. And then I have to go like the, the logistic side is exhausting. And my husband's wonderful and helpful, but most days he just puts his shoes on and goes to work. Where by the time I get to work, like this morning, honest to God, by the time I got in my car, I was sweating because I took the dog for a walk. I made my lunch. I made my son's lunch. I got myself ready. I got my kids stuff ready. My husband's like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh my God, I've done 30 things. And you know, like who wants to hear me complain in the morning? But <laughs> women carry a different load. Yeah. They really do. And when you, you're coupling that with running a business, it's tough. You've got to delegate. You cannot do everything. Yeah. You should only do the things that only you can do and everything else, farm it out. That, that is so true. You know, like trying to, in my day, know, know the schedules of everybody else in my family and, yeah. and remind them because they're males and, yeah. and, and making sure that things go well and then being here to listen when their day is done and they want to vent and and trying to you know get your calls in and get your podcast done and teach class and all this kind of stuff it it is amazing it it is truly amazing how much we can do and and how good we're at it you know like we don't get enough credit honestly no. from anybody no but to you know i, I this story really comes true here is when a, a woman who has had a career um, given up her career for a while to raise her family, comes back and sits in front of me and says, you know what, I really haven't done much. 
during this time off. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> do you know the things that you've done? So, so it's, it's, it's interesting how we perceive uh, what we do in a day. And it, because it, to us, it's just a matter of fact, it's like putting on a shoe. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. We don't think and, much of it. And I love hiring working mom or moms in general, because yeah. moms can do 50 things at once. Um, yeah. And, you know, like you said, people say, oh, well, I, you know, I've been, I've been home for the last five years. I'm like, that's great. Cause you've juggled 10,000 things a day. Yeah. This will seem like, this will seem pleasant. <laughs> You'll love to come to work. <laughs> a lot of my young lawyers have babies at home and, you know, I'm like, you can work from home if you want. They're like, hell no. I want to come to the office, <laughs> drink a cup of coffee, you know, have lunch with adults. Yeah. So. It, it's very true. I mean, like I work from home. And to juggle that is is a feat in itself because yes. of all the things that are going on in the house while I'm trying to work. Um, yep. So going somewhere and actually having nine to five hours and having an actual lunch where I could actually sit down and eat. Now, is it right. true that you all eat together? We do every day. <laughs> um, it's it's a lot of fun and I look forward to it every day. Um, you know, I worked in a law firm where that wasn't the case, where I asked a paralegal to have lunch and was told quietly, well, we don't really do that here. Ooh. I was like, do what? Well, yeah. we, the lawyers eat with the lawyers. I'm like, no. So now we just, everyone eats. We're all the same. Everyone's the same. Yeah. Um, That's and it's great. Fun. Thank you so much for your time today, because I really enjoyed our conversation and, and just learning more about you and your business. and. Um, you know, I think you're doing a great job. You're, Thank you're you. balancing a lot of different stuff. And, and when you come out onto social media, um, you're relatable. And so I, I can understand why your business is just booming. So thank you. Thank so you for having me. Thank you for your kind words. And even though I look put together on social media, just know there are dirty dishes in my sink too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much. And if you Welcome. enjoy if you enjoy Sharp HR Career Corner uh, podcast, I'd be honored if you would leave a review wherever you listen to it. Reviews help us be seen by more people. Thank you in advance. Until next time, be kind, everyone. We need to show a lot more kindness in the world, and it starts with you and I. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. <laughs>